0: Hello, hello, this is Lisa Betty, and this is Killer Casting. I'm being joined today by actor, producer, advocate, voiceover extraordinaire. Welcome, Eddie Hong!
1: Hi, hello everyone.
0: I almost did a tribute to William Hurt when he passed away, and I had my own amnesia on that because... Far in the back of my mind, I remembered that he and Marlene Maitland had had a terrible breakup yes. um, back in the 80s. Yeah. But I didn't realize that she'd written a book about it called I'll Scream Later. And then just today in Variety, uh, one of his other, somebody else who had been in a relationship with him, just wow, she just. Unleashed and amazingly vulnerable telling. We do sometimes do com- compartmentalize. I mean, he certainly was not canceled by the people who knew that he was. Yeah, a partner, and even after Marley's book came out, and it seemed like they kind of had made amends publicly and privately, or he'd made amends, and he'd never denied his abuse towards her. But you know, there's a lot of tributes coming out now that he's passed, and and I didn't give him a tribute on my Facebook page, but I just mentioned he had he was very very iconic to me when I was an actor. Yeah. that whole generation: Sigourney, Holly Hunter, they really all of those people who seem to start in New York start in theater and then made their way into film, they had a huge impression on me as I was kind of coming up as an actor. What do you think about that?
1: Man, like, I forgot about the Marley incidents. Like, when Sir William Hurt passed away, like, I definitely was a fan of his work. So, like, I was like, oh, yeah, man, it sucks. And then, obviously, recently, like, especially the younger generation will know him from, like, his stint on the Marvel Universe and being, sure. like, the General Ross. And so, people remember that. And so, I didn't think too much of it. I was like, oh, you know, another actor of that generation who did a lot of great work passed away. And we've seen a lot of them. Like, you know, like, obviously this year started depressingly with Betty White passing away. And so it was just like, you know, we're seeing so many actors of that generation pass. And so it felt like it was like yet another one. And then it was only until like, like not too long after that's when like the whole Marley thing was brought up again. And it did make me wonder. It was interesting where it was just like, okay, so it wasn't like it wasn't talked about. Like you look at the articles, and they did write about that. Mm-hmm. And but it happened like five years ago when they write when they were talking about it. And that was like, if I don't, if I remember, that I was right around the Me Too movement when that started really like showing so her,
0: her book came out in like 2008 so it was That's kind crazy. of a pre me too oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah she kind of she she wasn't quite on the wave of the me too who knows if it was yeah
1: you're be right yeah the movement started back in to gain prominence in like 2017 mm-hmm. so the book came out before then yeah, it, yeah. It, missed, it missed it by like a decade so yeah
0: but it is interesting you know can you honor someone even though they've had, you know, just a horrific backstory? It's hard for me because my other podcast, we really uh, amplify the victim and we really want to take down people like this and make sure that they're brought to justice. But it is, it's very, and I'm, again, I'm not tributizing him here, but for me, he introduced an entirely different way of breaking down a script an entirely different rhythm To acting that I'd never seen before, he he just broke down lines in a way and just personalized them. And his uh, his pace really was different than things I'd seen before. You know him, Kevin Mm Klein, and they're obviously you know part of the part of Meryl Streep as well. Who she also I just saw her recently on an interview on British TV. This is very recently she was telling a story about. the movie she did with Dustin Hoffman, um, Kramer versus Kramer. Have you seen Kramer versus Kramer? Yes, I think I saw it when I was really too young to even understand what was going on. She said, like with a smile on her face and kind of, oh, Dustin, that he slapped her right off camera, right before her scene, before she was going to do a scene, so that she would be, she would hate him. Oh my god! Like out of the blue, and I'm like. And, and, and she was like, well, you know, some actors need to do that. I'm like, no, actors do need to fucking put their hands on you to touch yeah. you, to do anything for your process. He gets to take care of his process, not you, who is so much younger and so much vulnerable and he's in a position of control. That is just, it just, oh, I was so sad for her and sad that she couldn't quite call it out for what it was and that she was like, you know, we've made amends since then. And it's just like, Jesus, you know, anyway, it just made me think of that.
1: I think the discussion when you're, the question you're asking, can we honor someone, especially, but even if they've done a lot of bad things. So I know that discussion came up before the pandemic started coming around, like when Kobe Bryant passed away. And so there's no denying the legacy he left behind in terms of like what he did for the black community, for what he did for basketball. Like there's too, it's just too many. There's a, what great good things he did, but at the same time, like it could not be ignored. The harm he has caused to a lot of women, a lot of the uh, women that he has done terrible things to. I don't know if he quite made amends with it or he, or he made some acknowledgement, for it, but to the greater society, it didn't feel like he did enough for it. So I think for me, the best way to honor someone is that like, yes, you can talk about the good stuff, but I don't think we should be shy in talking about, hey, there were some not so great stuff and we have to talk about that. I think there are extremes that we have to avoid where it's like, you know, you can only talk about good stuff and you cannot talk about the bad stuff, or you can only talk about bad stuff and you can't talk about the good stuff at all. The best way, and I think that also reflects when I watch like biopics, is that like, I like the biopics, where they talk about everything. Like, don't glorify the person, especially if they've done some pretty bad things. Like, yes, they were legends and this, and we should, it's great to see that in movie form, but also talk about, hey, that person was a bit of an asshole. That person was a womanizer. That person was a misogynist or whatever. It's like, we gotta show that. And so I think that's the same thing with this. And then also same with like Marlon Brando. Like, it's like Marlon, yes, he was an amazing, he, he revolutionized acting He's done some pretty terrible things like Last Tango in Paris, yeah. what he did to that actress. Unforgivable.
2: Yeah. It's yeah,
1: like unacceptable. And so I think, but I think it's not just him, but it's also just the condition of our society, especially in the entertainment industry. When you mentioned Meryl Streep and what Dustin Hoffman did, it's not just Dustin doing that. It was like this mindset of like, this is what acting needs to be. It's a very patriarchal, very, like very machoistic kind of thing, which now slowly we're starting to kind of like break away from that. We're like, you know, we're having more women directors, we're having intimacy coordinators, we're having Mm -hmm. like, you know, safety on sets. And, you know, especially with the whole discourse with the rust incident, like, you know, Mm -hmm. even with like guns and like, you know, dealing with that, it's always been like this whole, it ties into the whole, like, you know, this mindset that like, oh, you know, let's just be men, let's just be macho and we don't need safety. We don't need any of these kind of things. And now I think it ties into what we were saying just before about where are we heading as a society? Like, you know, people worry that there's too many labels. I go, let there be labels. Let there be all of these identifying factors. Mm-hmm. And same with the entertainment industry. Let there be intimacy coordinators so that someone Race. is there to oversee, like, not just with sexual scenes, but like fight scenes. Like, mm-hmm. is it okay? Mm-hmm. Everything has to be carefully choreographed. Everything has to be so that there isn't no... There's no accident. There's no, like, you know, something that can be avoided when it was something that was clearly, you know, it just needed, like, a double safety set procedure process. And I think that's where it's, like, with, especially, like, if we're trying to respect others better, it's, like, we need to have these factors in place. Otherwise, it's, like, yeah, the mindset that acting has to be the super, like, method kind of thing, which is, yeah. like, I always like the thing, you know, it was like, when you brought up Dustin, that old story of him and, Lawrence Olivier, when yeah. he did the it. There's a good point to that when like Lawrence was just telling him, have you ever just tried acting? Like <laughs> right. this, this acting. Right. Like you don't right. have to do all of this stuff. And so I think that's also, we still see it show up. inside. like Jared Leto always loves to talk about his method acting. And I always find it fascinating is like, why is it that only the men glorify all the crazy method things they do, but there are method actress, uh, actresses, like for example, Viola Davis, Kate Blanchett like these are method actors but they don't talk about it. they're very like very internalized and I think and I think it's just what men do where it's just like and I'm guilty of it too where we like to showboat
0: like mm-hmm.
1: all what we do and so
0: you've brought up so many things that I want to respond to. First of all, the method, the word, the method is a very, uh, it's a very buzzwordy word for me because I taught at the actor's studio. And I know that a lot of times when you call somebody a method actor, it's code for their fucking batshit crazy. And their, <laughs> their method is ridiculous, which is not method acting. And I'm going to have Isaac Butler on the show who actually wrote, just wrote a book about method acting. We're gonna talk about that. But what I wanted to track back to is what you were saying that we, as audience members and entertainment, you know, voracious users, we have a responsibility too, that no actor can be too big to fail. No actor can be too big to be called out on their their behavior. They have the power to slap Meryl Streep across the face or, or do shit to people, you know, sexually offset because they feel that they're untouchable, because they're they're uh popular and there's a power imbalance there that we give them with our dollars and our infatuation yeah. and our pedestal pudding. So it's very important that whether you're talking about Kanye West or whether you're talking about you know whoever, that these are all people and they are accountable to the laws that everybody's accountable to,
1: yes. you know I, you just did on one too and I, that was something that was on my mind uh you did a tri- true crime broadcast and you were talking about the connie west and kim kardashian yes yes and i think you know that's definitely you know it's been on a lot more people's minds and i think this is where it's like uh, deviating what we were just talking about just like the respect given even though yes we have our opinions about kim kardashian we know her family and you know the tendency they do but in the end it's like it just shows us that like despite how much money and power you have that we do see in our society that unfortunately Kim Kardashian is only a woman. And so because of that, that she can only have so much protecting her that if someone is as aggressive like Kanye is going to be, that it doesn't stop him doing that. Like he can find ways of doing that. And so it's just like, it just shows that no matter how much wealth and influence they have, that in the end, if you are, if you're basically not a white, cisgender, hetero, white dude, or just a dude in general, you have so many disadvantages going against you.
0: That's interesting. That, that
1: money cannot protect you. Uh,
0: well, hopefully talking about it helps to change it. Yes. It opens people's eyes for sure. Oh my gosh. Okay. What else do we have to talk about? Um, that was <laughs> a good one. That was a good jaunt. What else? do you Tell me you're watching. What are you watching right now?
1: Oh, my God. The, the most recent show that we, oh, my partner I love the living daylights of, it. it's on HBO Max. It's called Our Flag. It's Our Flag Means Death.
0: Oh, I haven't we, watched that yet, but my friend Samba Shuta is in it. Tell Samba. Me. Samba. Yes.
1: We call, we call yes. it the Samba Show. Like, you know, we don't call it Our Flag Means It. We call it our, the Samba Show. So when, like, I knew Samba was working on it for a while. Like, you know, he was very excited about the show. And, yeah. you know, I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, I don't know. It seems like another pirate show that kind of then
0: just another well, pirate show, and
1: I was like, "Oh, you know, it's been it, you know, it's been a very exhausted genre." I'm like, "What more can they do with this?" And so when the show came out, and you know, the first, you know, they released it in batches, like three episodes, and three, and then two, we were instantly addicted because uh-huh. I think what this show did. God, how do I describe it without spoiling too much? Yeah, because um, I haven't
0: seen it yet, but I mean, so obviously the premise is. It's about a bunch of pirates, and Taika Waititi is cast in it, which I always love um, watching yes. him act. And I had the pleasure of working. I will with him just him. say, yeah,
1: yeah. I think the only thing I can say since you haven't watched it is that why we love the show is that it is so surprising. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, it is surprising in so many ways, and I think it just shows the the best of Taika's like creativity, not just as a producer and a writer and director on the show but also just, like, as an actor. This is the best I've seen him perform. Really? And not only just for him, but for Reese Dars- uh, Darsby, mm-hmm. uh, who is the main actor of the show. This show finally shows what he can do. Yeah, like, yeah. He's always been, like, you know, we've seen in so many projects where he's, like, an amazing, comedic, fantastic, fantastical actor. But this show obviously not only does that, but they show so many layers. Mm-hmm. Like, so many layers that caught me completely off guard. Of just like, you know, his character, Taika's character, the rest of the cast, and a commentary they make about certain things. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> I, I can I can go on like once you start watching, I can yeah, I was gonna go on just wax on poetics about this show.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love the show. Maybe too. you can write a blog for or you can write about it, because uh, so it's called Our Flag Is Death and Our Flag it's- Means Death. Sorry. Our flag means death. But I want to Talk about diversity. So our friend Samba Shuta is in the cast and he's on the poster. He's on the fucking billboard going down sunset. I'm like, and he's like, he's on his Facebook page. He's like posting pictures of himself. Now Samba is somebody who I have known maybe for a decade.
2: He's, Likewise.
0: he's coming yeah. to me for things. He came in for like, he's the kind of an actor who will come in for one role. And it's like, he's not right for it, but but the director's like, we have to write a role for Samba to be in. He's like six foot three or something. Mm-hmm. He's Ethiopian um, with long curly hair who was raised in Scandinavia. He's just the most interesting. He came to a party at my house one time and he brought the most delicious profiteroles that he made. He's like an okay. incredible All right. to So
1: him. we had a dinner party with him, his wife, and our mutual friends. And like, what was, it was like a chocolate tart cake or something like that. And I was just like, Combo, you could with, with cream. You could you could open a bakery yeah. and you make a dollars because yeah. it's so
0: good. For sure. Anyway, so I'm yeah. um, when you, we see you know as casting directors and of course uh, you know Ed will agree as an actor when you see somebody who's been here year after year, slogging it out, just trying to make it you know to make it, and you see him platformed like this out of nowhere. I mean, I think. Well, he actually was on a series last year, which unfortunately was canceled. I forget what it was called, but anyway, the
1: Sunny Side, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, which was his, which was his big thing that he was so mm-hmm. excited about. Of course, yeah. it was canceled, um, but to see him on this, this is even bigger, you know, bigger auspices. I'm so proud of you, Samba. I love you so much. He's the most gentle, (laughs) beautiful. I mean, whenever he, he's like, the way he talks to you, it's, it is like a Hallmark card. I mean, he'll just say, (laughs) like, you are the most beautiful person, Lisa, and you light up my, my soul with feathers and, or, you know, or whatever.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, I first met Samba back in 2012 like i was in a short film and so i think so the director cast me as the main guy and then he was like we're gonna we're gonna have chemistry reads of you who will play your best friend and i was like really a chemistry read for a short film all right fine.
2: <laughs> and so
1: samba just moved to la at that point and he was like yeah addition. so then as they were like the director had his addition and the callbacks samba was one of the callbacks and they brought him in and then like, there were like five other guys who also read for me. And I was just like, kind of like what you were saying about what Samba does and what he is. It's just like, I was just like, and I looked at the director, I was like, there's only one choice. It's Samba, it has to be Samba. And so in the years that I've known him and I, we had a really good catch up in that the dinner party you mentioned, I'm just like his career has always been, and this is something that I find very inspirational, which is like, he, he is in an interesting category where it's like the way he looks, even though is Ethiopian, a lot of people assume he's Indian. Like he doesn't yes. look like a yeah. typical Black person. Yeah. And so because of that, he doesn't get cast in Black roles because people don't think he's Black. And they don't cast him as Indian. Although Tiger Hunter was an interesting story. He got cast in Tiger Hunter because the director thought he was Indian. But he never said he was Indian. Right. So I cast until-
0: that movie with Emily. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh, okay. Totally thought he was Indian. Totally thought oh he was. Oh, my God.
1: Indian. Okay. And I love that in the movie, I think that's when Salma told me at some point in the movie, they realized, oh, crap, he's not Indian. We'll make a joke about that. Oh, <laughs> he's just he's just one of us. He's not Indian. He's just living <laughs> with us.
0: He's an immigrant of uh, whatever origin who is also sharing this apartment with us. So, yeah.
1: And now that we're talking about it, you know, I have no problem talking because I love to do he mentioned something during a dinner party and then my partner and I went out of our way to find it. So I don't know if he told you that he did. Oh God. Oh man. I'm going to blast him so hard. I'm so sorry. He did a, (laughs) he did a version of a Dutch version of West side story, but it was gender swapped where it was like, he played Maria. He was the, the character's name Mohammed in this (laughs) person, And the two gangs were both women. And it was like the the white gang of the you know Netherlands, and then like the multicultural gang. And so they had, and then you can find a trailer. It's oh up God. there somewhere, actually. And you can hear the song. They sing the songs in Dutch. And Samba, he didn't even joke about it. He said the language is not exactly what you call great to listen to. It's not a very pleasant-sounding language. Mm-hmm. So when you have to sing it in Dutch it becomes a very interesting hearing experience.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: we weren't sure what he meant by that until we saw the trailer. And then we shared it to our friends who know Samba. And then Samba's just like, please, guys, please just pretend it doesn't exist. Just like, <laughs> so I'm letting the world know yes. our two viewers right now that this, so if you just type in Samba Schut and West Side Story Dutch, you'll find it
0: oh yes we will put yeah. this on our facebook page for sally and sam to look at and um <laughs> i know i gotta have samba on and talk about the experience I,
1: I, I actually thought like before we came i thought you had him as a guest before i was like no uh-uh.
0: no i haven't seen him since before the pandemic but now that you know I'm, i want to have a big brunch because my kitchen is being renovated and it's going to be really beautiful and i'm going to invite everybody to come So where I live, one minute it's raining, and the next minute it's 80 degrees, and the trees and plants in my yard start going crazy, which makes my nose, throat, and eyes go crazy with all the pollen. But luckily for me, I have gotten relief from the good folks at Plantiva and their natural proprietary formulation of herbal extracts called DX. I mean, I was sneezing and sniffling about to go into a Zoom meeting. But I took an Aller DX, and in 10 minutes, I had immediate relief. I mean, it was really something. So Plantiva is a family-run business, and I have had the pleasure of meeting the Morrissey's, Dr. Stephen and his wife, Jenny. And let me tell you, they are the real deal. I am really enjoying the products that they've had me sample. So you can try them yourself. Go to plantiva.com killercasting for your exclusive discount code. Oh my gosh! Uh, this um, this conversation has just gone in so many fantastic ways. Um, was there anything else we were going to talk about? Now, why are you known as the Cinnamon guy?
1: Oh boy! I've always been obsessed with Cinnabon as a kid, and I think uh, when I first like when, when I came to Los Angeles, uh, so when I moved to Los Angeles in 2010. Williamsburg, Virginia, didn't have Cinnabon, and when I lived in Korea for high school, they didn't have Cinnabon. So there was a gap where I didn't have that. I had it when I was a kid when I used to live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and so. When I came to Los Angeles, I was just obsessed with it. And there was a person who just told me it was like, hey, you should market yourself with Cinnabon as an actor. And I thought at the time it was the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Like, why would you market yourself with a pastry product? But then I just like, you know, what? fine, why not? So then I just made postcards and just and I then I started sending it to casting offices. I was like, uh, Edward Hong, the Cinnabon Monster. And then it started to work really strangely well, where people were like, you know, they were waiting for they were in a casting office, and then they would be like, Oh yeah, yeah, get that guy in. You know, the, you know that guy who's really obsessed with Cinnabon. Yeah, just just yeah, just just get him in. And so I was like, Oh, okay, so it's having an effect. And so quickly launched because when that time came, the Cinnabon Company took notice of me because I was talking about it so much, and it helped when an amazing actress who used to run a blog, her name is Lin Chen. Uh-huh. Uh, she used to run, she used to run a blog called Thick Thick Dumpling Skin, which was about eating disorders and our relationship with food. And so she was like, she just asked me, she's like, hey, Edward, like, what's this deal about Cinnabon? Can you tell me about it? So then I told her a story. I wrote the story about like how Cinnabon played a role in my life as a kid and you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the company found it on Twitter because she put it online. And then the CEO of the time, Kat Cole, also paid attention. And then we had like a connection. We like started communicating with other. This went on for about, four or five more years. Oh my God. It's like 2015 when they were making a movie with Dakota Fanning called Please Stand By. And there was a role called the Cinnabon guy. <laughs> and so everyone was like the ones who, were, you know, saw that on breakdowns was just like, Edward, did you audition for this? And I was like, and I, my manager at the time and my agent was like, yeah, we're, we've been trying to get Edward in. But then the casting office, unfortunately told uh, Richard Hicks told, Uh, Then they're like, oh, unfortunately, we kind of have the role uh, cast a bit, but you know what? Uh, Sure. Let's just see Edward and see what he can do. So they brought me in and they, you know, I could tell that I was the only person because they already packed up the office because it was like getting ready for Christmas holidays. And I was like, (laughs) whatever, let me just do it. And then after I did it a week later, uh, they must have changed their minds because that's when my agent was like, hey, you got the role. (gasps) And I'm like, are you sure? Oh my God. I feel terrible now because I'm like, what happened to the other actor? Oh, don't worry about the other actor. Like, you know, you got the role. And I'm like, okay. And so then when we shot the role, like a week, a month later, the producers of that set were like, Hey, so we want to talk to you because like, so you got this role because the Cinnabon company called us and was like, Hey, did Edward audition for this project? And, I'm, and they're like, no. Uh, well, let me double check. Then they they contacted Richard and was like, hey, did Edward edition for this? And they're like, yeah. I mean, he was good, but I, <gasps> I, I think we already have someone, right? And they're like, you know what? Let's just get Edward in. Let's just bring Edward into the role. And then for the other actor, let's we'll, we'll do something else with him. And so, they, so then they had me in the thing. So then I did that. That was back in like 2015 when I was cast and then 2016 early when we shot it. And then later of that 2016, when I shot some other thing in Atlanta, the cinema company was like, hey, you're going to be in Atlanta. Why don't you visit our headquarters? (laughs) And so I was like, okay. So then I went to go see their headquarters and they gave me a tour of their entire facility. Here's where we make our Cinnabons. Hey, do you want to try our horchata (gasps) uh, Cinnabon liquor drink? And I was like, okay. And then Kat was there too. It was like, hey, Edward. Let's have a random interview with you. And I'm like, okay. And so then we all just had a drunk time there. And so, oh my
0: God. Uh,
1: so since then, like, you know, it's still, you know, my my like, handles are still Cinnamon Mont and all that. I've definitely like chilled a F out in terms of like, you know, promoting it constantly. Like, <laughs> I'm Cinnamon So, like, at this point, people know. I mean, like, people have in the past discussed, like, you know, my friend, my casting director friend, Jeremy Gordon. Yes, yeah. love like, Jeremy. He was passionate about you know. He said Edward, we need to do something with this. We need to like shoot a web series about Cinnabon. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, the idea is always there, like to do something with Cinnabon, and they're always open to it. Like if I asked them, like, hey, I asked them one time, like, if that, if I wanted to use the Cinnabon store, could I use it if I wanted to shoot like some short film on there? And at 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 the time, the Cinnabon was like, yeah, sure, just ask us. We'll make it happen. I think the offer's still on the table. It might be different now because Kat is no longer with Cinnabon. Really? Uh, she has moved on to doing her own like uh, entrepreneur business. Uh-huh. But there is still there because I know recently they gave me like uh, like a twenty dollar gift card, like a month oh I mean they gave it to like so $20? many other people. I'm, I'm, right. I'm not special. Any but
0: you but. Have done what we tell so many actors to do. You manifested your own role into a fucking movie. This is insane. Okay, I had no idea about this. I just thought I think I remember you bringing Cinnabon to the office, and I thought that you yeah, were in a commercial, like you were the guy who was in a Cinnabon commercial, and that's why you were so.
1: Cool. So what happened was that when we shot it. The company told, so we shot it in front of the Cinnabon store in uh, where was that? I think it was in Tarzana. And so when we, so then Dakota, so the movie was that Dakota works for Cinnabon. And then, and then she goes on a journey to go to Hollywood to deliver a Star Trek script. And so when we shot the scene, like I'm wearing a Cinnabon employee outfit. So is Dakota. And then, so we're doing this, uh, this comedy scene. And then when we finished it, there was a Cinnabon representative there. And they're like, hey, you must be Edward, right? And I'm like, yeah why and like and I, come with me and then i went to went to the went to the with to the cinnabon store and they had eight cinnabon boxes they're like it's all yours i'm like all of this <laughs> doing all of this and then like the coder was just like oh what you get Cinnabon? and then the, and the represent don't 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 worry someone we got you too oh okay okay fine and then she walked away and then the other actor's like wait what you got <laughs> and so i was like yeah, you want one they're like no no like, you know what? Oh no, no, no! It's gonna make me fat. And I'm like, yeah, it does make you fat. So, so we got, so I got eight of those boxes, and I was like, okay, who should I give these boxes to? And so, and so your, so at the the, at the your office was one of them, and then the other ones being like we dropped off at a fire department in our oh. area, at a Children's Hospital, uh, the production office of so please stand by, and then like there were like three other like other areas that we dropped them off to. We're like, okay, we're just gonna give all these Cinnabons all these groups of people
0: incredible um i am all down for casting um ed the cinema cinnabon guy mysteries where i think you solve crime and um i think it's 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 out okay i'm just calling it right now (laughs) oh my god let's do it and you throw the buns at bad guys and i don't know i I think it's there i think i think jeremy is exactly right that we should do an ed the cinnamon
1: Cinnabon. I mean, like, it's funny that, like, the most recent Cinnabon explosion, funny enough, is the, what was it, the show, Better Call Saul. Because uh-huh. Every season opening starts with Saul working at Cinnabon because they show, they show, like, you know, the aftermath of. Uh, yeah, of yeah, Bad, right. But then they, that, that's how it starts every season and then it goes back into the past of how have they wrapped styles.
0: that yet they must they're they on play.
1: their final season now.
0: You got to contact show. Sharon and Sherry and say I mean Look. They, they
1: know about me. I just okay. I think they, they, they 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 I think what they told me was that like the role like the Cinnabon place there's no actual actors in it. It's just uh-huh. like they use the employees of that Cinnabon place for like the right. scene. Right.
2: Right. But what a great but the focus Easter, is on
1: Bob. I yeah. Wow. I mean it would have been great. But they did cast me in, what was it, the, the Perry Mason show. Oh. So that's fine, too. It's, oh, it's, that's it's awesome. All good. It's all Yeah,
0: good. I had so wanted to cast you on Criminal Minds when it was in production. I think I was looking back at my sheets. I think I brought you in three or four times. Probably once as a serial killer, once as a doctor. <laughs> One,
1: I think the most hilarious addition, I think it was also for Criminal Minds, was like, I was like a karaoke singer. It was a... And I think it was a bad, but then I remember the audition said bad karaoke singer. Don't sing well, right? Just sing terribly. And so I remember when I came into the office, and so it was you and at the time Scott David were like they were asking you guys, asking like what you got. And so I sang Bohemian Rhapsody in Korean. That was that was what I did because that's what I do. Like you know when I used to do karaoke, uh, like I would sing Bohemian Rhapsody in Korean, like terrible. It would just be a terrible rendition of the song.
0: I'm going to find you. You're going to do this for me as we go out. Okay. This is going to be our outro. Uh, you've been a delight. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to shout out? You're in so many great things. I saw you in a fantastic short film with um, Chris. And I can't remember her last name. Chris Lee.
2: Oh, yeah, Chris Lost Lee. Dog. yeah. Oh
0: my God. Lost dog. Not for the faint at heart also, but what a beautiful, beautiful short film. And you're doing all kinds of things. Anything you want to shout out? <laughs> And if you did a film with your fiancé or your partner also, that was, like, <laughs> insane. Thank
1: you. Yes. Uh, yes. No, I mean, like, uh, we obviously gave a great shout-out to Samba. I yes. I hope you have him as a guest. The other shout-out is basically, being, no, um, no, good. I mean, like, the for all anyone who's listening to our two viewers, uh, <laughs> the database that I'm talking about is the PGMVO List. We have our own website, pgmvolist.com. And that's for people uh, who
0: are cast, wait, I don't think we even explained what it's for. Wait, explain the function (laughs) of what it is. We got into the name of it. We didn't explain what it was for.
1: Okay, so to uh, make it short, uh, it's a database for voiceover actors of color or global majority. It's like, so if you have some experience of voiceover, there's a, you can just sign up, you can just put yourself in the database and there's like, you know, there's there's like 15 questions. So it is a little intimidating, but you know, It's just to make sure that casting knows that this is what you are and this is what you can provide and this is what home equipment you have. And then in later, and then we also have a new section that's for behind the scenes folks. So now we have a a new arm of the database, uh, which is dedicated for the animators, the voiceover directors, the engineers, the casting directors who deal specifically in that world who are also of people of color. And then at the end is where casting and production companies can uh, request to get access to it. So currently, we have over 200 production companies, talent agencies, and casting directors use it. Uh, some of the biggest things that we have is like uh, Capcom, Ubisoft, all the major audiobook companies, Netflix, Disney Animation, Nickelodeon Animation, oh my God. Amazon Studios. <gasps> like, it's been astounding how many of these big ass companies. Uh, requested access to it. They would just send an yeah. email like, hey, we want access. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's amazing. So, And you uh, made
0: this. You made this because you just felt like there had to be a list of people that you knew who did voiceover, who were of the global majority yeah. and we, just wanted a, a list that people could look at.
1: Currently, we have almost 1,900 actors on it. And of all, and then they are divided sections that we have representing the, the Asian community, the black community, Latin community, the indigenous and the Southwest Asian slash Middle Eastern community. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all part of this database. So I think it's been astounding like where we are. And I think, you know, it's interesting that the voiceover community, I mean, we, we're seeing it in all like the on camera and the theater community, but the voiceover community like really picked up steam in terms of like trying to be more inclusive of casting and whatnot. And I think TV and films are starting to show more of that especially TV. Film is getting there. They're kind of, you know, they're a little lagging behind, but I think TV and voiceover especially have been really like pushing it in terms of like not just with like ethnicity but also like gender and like, you know, sexual orientation. We've been seeing more projects that deals with them not just being the side characters but as the main characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just like that's where we need to go. And it's like I know the concern that we always hear is like oh, white actors won't be able to get jobs. And I'd say to that, I'm like, no, guys, you'll always get jobs. There will always be plenty of Renaissance movies and historical period movies. Everyone loves that stuff. There's going to be no end to that. It's like, there's going to be a million Downton Abbey. It's like, you know, don't worry about that. So I think it's just like, it just shows that it's just, there's going to be now a bigger piece of the pie that we'll now see with other
0: Yeah, that's true. There's plenty of pieces of the pie for everybody. There's it's just about balance, you know, swinging that pendulum back.
1: So it's like uh yeah, and I think that was like the recent discussion, like you know, uh, among other things, like the another movie we watched that we love. It was like Turning Red, uh, Mm -hmm. the Disney, uh, the Pixar movie, Mm -hmm. where it was just like yeah, it's full of diversity, but it's like it just shows like how big the world can be, and just like the stories that just because the character isn't white doesn't mean it cannot be universal. Like it can be a universal story. So it's like the fact that this movie in a way is about female puberty, is about, you know, dealing with periods, is about dealing with like, you know, growing pains. It's like, that's something everyone can relate to, whether or not you are a boy or a girl or Asian or white or not. And so I think when we have more of these stories that can be about other communities, but still be a universal thing, that just makes it better for everyone.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I haven't seen that movie yet, but I'm sure that I will. And yes. And I hope to see you in whatever you're doing next. You know, you got to keep me in the loop so that I can amplify it so that Sally and Sam can go see it. <laughs> go see it. Um, and before we go, would you sing Bohemian Rhapsody for me in Korean? Oh my God. Or you can send me a tape. So I'll
1: I- send you a tape. I, okay. it, it ha- I have to get into a certain mindset for that. It, gotcha. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy time.
0: You need some soju. You need some uh, some yes. Cinnabon and soju.
1: Yes. <laughs> 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 oh. and if
0: you're listening, we want to do this detective series with Eddie, the Cinnabon. Uh, just, just putting it out there.
1: Uh, you know what? Maybe I can break because I've always had a fascination with film noir. Ooh. So.
0: Love it. You know, what?
1: I'll think. I'll, I'll I'll brainstorm.
0: Brainstorm. All right. You talk yeah. to to my person, and my person will talk to your person. All right. Ed, it's been so good to see you. It's been too long. Hopefully, yes. we can celebrate sometime in person. Thank you so much for coming on. It's Thank you for having me. exhausting. Absolutely. All right. See you guys later. Sally, Sam, stay safe. Bye.
1: Killer Casting is a concept created by her, Lisa Zambetti. It is produced by me, Dean Laffin. Logo art by my beautiful wife, April Laffin. Audio editing by him, Sean at choicevoiceproductions.com. And our theme music, We Are Beautiful, comes from them. That would be Hollywood legends, amphibious zoo music. Until next time, Killer Casting out.